Wondershare Video Converter Ultimate makes life easier by providing you with a variety of video tools. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in Wednesday, every single week. Inspiration, how you can live free. Nubia and Francis Chronicles Abroad. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. This is Nubia. And I'm Francis. And today we have CJ with us. So CJ is an ebony expat who has lived in Barbados, Colombia, South Africa, Great Britain, and currently is now in Thailand. He prides himself on his slow travel techniques. He's not a backpacker or a digital nomad. CJ is actually a highly educated young Black man who has graduated from Harvard University and who is an entrepreneur and started a business called Evisory Group that specializes in virtual application assistance tailored to prospective college students. So CJ, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, CJ, welcome. Yeah, yeah, truly a pleasure. Thank you. For sure. So you've been traveling for over a decade, living abroad or just traveling abroad? Traveling abroad. So I was going back and forth between the States for, I'd say, over the last decade. But um, about a half years ago, I decided I'm officially never going back. I can dig it. I can dig it. So you are fluent in Spanish. You're currently learning French and Portuguese. So being, you know, bilingual, trilingual, definitely, I'm, I'm sure helps you out in your travels. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with basically leaving a life of education in the States and taking that and creating a business where you can actually do it from anywhere in the world and help people still with their education. So you took your passion, but you just did something different with it which I think is dope. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the truth is is that it was the side hustle that became the main hustle. So yeah, I'm, I'm from Arkansas, single mom, you know, uh, first in my family to go to college. And I got really, um, yeah, I worked hard, don't get me wrong, but I also got really lucky and I got to go to some good schools. And I noticed it, it kind of started with everything for me is about race. And I started asking the question of why I was the one who was fortunate enough to be able to go to the schools that I went to when, you know, there were a lot of folks who were drug dealers who were very entrepreneurial. I know a lot of Stringer Bells in my life. And I was like, they are so much, so much brighter than the Brett Kavanaugh's and that were going to my, you know, in my classes and stuff. And so I got interested in admissions and started working even in college in admissions. And I realized uh, while I was there, I was one day at this, um, I was at this college prep summer thing. I was on campus doing summer research. And I saw all these, frankly, very wealthy people just packed the rafters trying to get as much information as they could. And I was like, yo, there's a lot of money in this. I had no idea. And so I found out one day working in the admissions office that there was a thing called an educational consultant. And I found out how much money they made and all that type of stuff. And even then, honestly, it was the, it was still, I was like, okay, I know this is something I can do on the side while trying to, I I thought I wanted to go into law and politics. 
And long story short, it was through education that I first went abroad. My very first time going abroad was for, I, I studied law at Oxford, and it just changed my whole world of how I saw the United States, how I saw myself. And from there, I would just say the short version is as time went on, the two kind of meshed. You know, my love for education, my love for the rest of the world, I decided that, and the fact that it's a career that you can have mobily. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I've been doing it for 10 years now. So CJ, what was the deciding factor? Because you said that you have zero plans of returning to the States. What was the situation that happened that solidified that decision for you? Mm, isn't that the question? I would say it was like a, hmm, that's, that's the question. So every single time, so what was happening over the last decade, right, was I would go, like I went to go get my law degree at Oxford, and like I remember getting sick and one day um, rolling a bike to the clinic, and I get out of I get out of the doctor's office and I go up to the receptionist thinking she's a cashier, and I'm like taking out my credit card and all this type of stuff, and she looks at me like I'm stupid. She looks at me like I'm slow. And she's like, we don't, we don't, we don't do that here. Right. And just the, I was in a country where, you know, all the whole time I lived in the UK, I never saw a cop with a gun. Not once. Well, once in Heathrow Airport did I see a cop with a gun. Actually, right, riding your bike around Oxford, they usually wouldn't even have a car. They would just try and like yell people down to give them tickets for their bike. And as at each juncture, you know, from the US to Barbados to, South Africa and all that, as life there was even better, life in the States was getting worse. You know, I mean, if I were, you were to track the last decade, right, like by the time I'm in South Africa, I'm seeing what their, one of their most recent elections, and they're having presidential debates inside of a prison, because prisoners can vote, you know, and I could go on and on about that. And then in the States, you know how that's going. But beyond that, it was also the, the personal as well. By the time I was at Harvard, I went to grad school at Harvard, and by the time I was at Harvard, there was a day, the short version, is uh, I had a gun in my face from a cop who believed that I was a dean at a school, I was an executive search consultant, I, you know, I, I mean, you name it, and I went outside because, you know, there are days where I dress up and there are days where I don't, which is my, my right, and I wasn't looking kind of bummy to go um, throw something away, and a cop pulled uh, his car over to ask me if I lived where I lived. And I told him, yes. And he took that to be that I lived on the street. And I was actually just going to throw away my trash. I actually have an iPhone 7 in my hand. <laughs> and next thing I know, he's telling me to freeze and has a, a gun in my face. And, and the whole situation ended when the one white student who we had in my house that I was dean over actually intervened and went all uh, rose from get out. <laughs> and, you know, and there were numerous situations, not necessarily with gun in my face, but like that while living in Boston. And that's um, crazy. And I, yeah. And it was time to go. And Francis and I are both from Boston, you know, um, born, well, I was born and raised in Boston. So I know there's a lot of racial tension there as well. The crazy thing about it is when my family members who are still in Massachusetts tell me to be safe wherever I am in the world, my response is I'm safer here than I am in the U.S. And yeah. it, it's the truth. <laughs> you know, it is the truth. And it's a sad truth. And I could imagine as a young Black male how scary that is because you are looked upon as a perpetrator. 
even though you were more educated than that cop, you have been, you know, traveled the world extensively. You, you have a great background and this cop just automatically took you to be something that you weren't. And it's sad. It's sad. So I could totally understand why you would want to, you know, get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. 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 I, I think uh, I, I remember one night driving home. <laughs> I laugh about it because my mom, my mom's still very Arkansas, very single mom. She, she, we can talk about that, about her feelings about me being abroad and all that. But she called me. I was living in Boston at the time. And she called me and she was like, why are you? It was like 930 at night. She's like, why are you out at 930? She's that way. And, and I was like, my mom, I'm right around the corner. It's fine. I lived in a nice part of Boston, the same way, right near the, you know, very, rather, rather pretty upscale. And she's like, you know, some of anything could happen. I was like, mom, I live in a nice neighborhood. And she was like, I'm not talking about criminals. I'm talking about the cops, you know, just that reality of what home or what home should be uh, is, you know, my home country. I was like, you know what? I'm not signing up for this anymore. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you. And like Nubia said, Boston is known for stuff like that. And America is just really tense on so many levels. So let me ask you, CJ, how did you decide on some of the countries that you've lived in? You've lived in quite a few countries. How did you even decide on them? You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Yes, excellent question. So for instance, the most recent, before I moved to Thailand, I was in Colombia and, well, uh, South Africa. I would say the, the countries that I chose for fun and in the countries that I chose for work or study, right? So fun has been South Africa, Colombia, Thailand. Work was Barbados, but even that was <laughs> was definitely in relation to, because I'm like, if I'm going to live somewhere, right, I don't want to just be anywhere. So I typically will create, um, I create an Excel spreadsheet and it's, it's very real. It's extremely real of what do I care about? What do I need? What do I, it's kind of like what I say about in dating, right? My mom used to tell me, make circles. What do you desire? What do you like? What do you like? What can you not tolerate? And I would make those categories. And then I would spend up to a year sometimes um, doing a lot of internet research, going to a lot of from, you know, not just the numbers, you know, Numeo, Expatistan, stuff like that, but also trying to understand the different cities, stuff like that. And then, so for instance, before I went to Colombia, I, I went into, I was, like I said, I was working at a firm at the time in Boston. I went up to my vice president and I said, uh, I need a month off. And, and I remember I'm in my first, I just completed my first year as, on, the, on the partner track. And she was like, mm -hmm. now I hadn't taken any time off, but you know, still in America, like that's not, that's just not done. And I was like, I need a month off or I'm leaving. I've been stacking up my coins and things like that, but I was like, I need to go. And I managed it. I finagled it. And I went for a whole month. And I went around uh, various places in South America, from Peru to Panama, to the places I had been researching, to really just kind of test them out. And that's how I ended up in Medellin. Because sometimes, for example, I had planned I was going to Panama. And I got to Panama, and I hated it, um, right? It is important to go down there and do as much research as, you know, on the ground, feeling it out, kicking the tires, if you will. And, and Medellin, I was there, and I was like, okay, this works. Panama, I was supposed to be there two weeks. I was there four days, and I was like, I can't take any more of this. 
So yeah, it's a mixture of online research and on the ground research. Well, I loved what you said about how you put together this list of things that work for you, don't work for you, what you're passionate about, what you want, right? Because I think that's important. I think a lot of people don't know where to start sometimes. And most times they go off of others, right? A lot of times they're looking at like our Instagrams and our stuff. And they're like, oh, that looks cool. But just because it works for me might not work for you. So I tell people all the time, look at, I mean, everything from the temperament. I don't like to be in cold places, so I'm not going to move to cold places. But I thought I would like tropical and tropical is a little too hot. So, so, you know, I'm learning my style. But I think that's a great way to start. And I can't believe you took a month and went to South America because that's not even enough time to get from one end to the other <laughs> half the time. But um, yeah, no, that, I think that's a great key. And I hope whoever is listening takes that into consideration when even planning their next vacation or whatever. I'm at this point where I just go, I look on Skyscanner and I'll just go and see what flights are inexpensive and go, if, even if it's someplace I never heard of, you know, that's how I got to Macau. Found a ticket for like under $80 round trip and was like, hmm, let me go check this place out. And I really did enjoy it. But to your point, I had did all this research with Vietnam and that's the way I was supposed to move. And um, once I got to Vietnam, I didn't like it. I never even thought about Chiang Mai to live, right? I went specifically for the Lantern Festival and I fell in love with the city. So I mm. stayed, you know, yeah. but I did all my research on Vietnam. So I spent, you know, a couple of months just kind of looking at Vietnam or whatever. So sometimes even the research can go out the window once you're in a place, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, you know, a place that people consider, two places they can consider similar are Lima. I spent three and a half months in Lima uh, while I was living uh, in Boston at a, at a different juncture. And then um, I, of course, went to Medellin. And a lot of, if you look online, a lot of people call them very similar cities. And I can understand why, but to me, I wouldn't categorize them as actually similar, not really, like if somebody were ever talking to me. I like both, but in terms of living, for me, for my list, right, I think that exactly what you said is you know, you got to be real with yourself about what you want, what you desire. I would, uh, you know, for me, Lima has a very different climate, pretty large city. You can be driving for, you know, two hours and still be in the city. Um, it doesn't have the public transit, things like that. So, and those types of things really can matter, right? So like, Beijing has a, a very good public transit system. And, and at, I also think it's important to understand at different junctures in your life what how that changes, right? Because Chiang Mai doesn't. But Chiang Mai is smaller. And, you know, I got my scooter, I'm scootering around, I'm zipping around, all that type of stuff, right? So, yeah, um, that's so interesting what you said about Vietnam, because when I was picking Asia, Vietnam was my number two. I'd say 90% of people here have told me they really enjoy Vietnam, but I've actually met, you're now number two. Two friends of mine here have been like, they went to Vietnam and they did not like it, right? And so I would also really encourage people to, yeah, take those cheap flights, you know, be on those Twitter um, handles where they find the, you know, the cheap flights and just, just go and, and see, even if it's, you know, a week or so, because that's still very useful. Yeah, and let me clarify, like, not like it, like, at all, because I've been twice now, I didn't like it to live, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I'll just clarify that. So CJ, with, you know, with your slow travel and living as, in as many countries as you had, how has that impacted your relationships, you know, friendships, all of that? 
Mm. Excellent question. And I'm just thinking about friendship, not even before we get to like dating, but you know, I think, so I'll separate into three categories. So with regards to family, right? Cause I always keep it real. And I think I'm a writer as well. And I'm currently writing for my, my cousin. If anybody who watches the show Insecure, if you watch the show Insecure, Lisa Ray in a number of her episodes has this book that's on the shelf of, um, uh, and she was reading it, and it's called The, the Turner House. And it was actually written by my cousin, Angela, Angela Florno, and it was runner of the National Book Award in 2015, I think, the year Tanahasi Coast Book One. I'm currently working on the sequel to that book. And I, I say that because the book is a lot about Black family and Black struggle and all that sort of stuff. And so when I think about family, I will say that one of the reasons that I went abroad was to not only to be simultaneously uh, just to live my life. And I think I have this phrase that is black freedom is black freedom is black freedom. Because I think oftentimes we have these boxes that we try to put around people, right? Like for example, I've lived my life the way I have and I just got an Instagram like two months ago. And when I think about my family, part of it is, you know, to they, they've never been to any of these places that I've been to. I've offered and, and things like that. And it's a process and I know that this is not when I talk to other expats, that I am not alone in that experience, right? And so part of it was about some degrees of, of distance and also simultaneously being an example. And that's still something that I navigate, right? Because I do, I did need distance with the state. I needed distance from family that I was very different from, that I am very different from. With regards to friends, uh, I absolutely love my friends. You know, friends are the family that you can choose. And I have developed this cadre of friends, including those in the States, who, if I were comparing to some of my other expat friends, I think I do a pretty darn good job of maintaining. But don't get me wrong, there are always limits. But I think the beauty of, I don't know what it is about memes and hilarious, you know, stuff on YouTube or BuzzFeed or whatever, but it always gives new stuff for us to talk about, even across the distance. And so I remember my, my former, I call her my work wife, hey, Courtney, Courtney, black woman from Harvard, from, from Georgia, you know, we talk every day, even though she's in, you know, in, in Georgia. My best friend from Colombia, we practice my Spanish back and forth. I talked to her today, you know, and so um, it really hasn't been that much of a challenge, it's, you know, but I will say it can, it, it can be sad when, you know, when I'm in uh, England, I'm in England and then I may not be back for you know, a few years. And that could be difficult. Yeah. So I totally, um, with relationships, because, you know, we talk about that all the time, especially like the dating. But, you know, I, I would think that I know that as a young Black male, dating is a lot different for you guys than it is for young Black females. So I'm not even going to do anywhere comparison to the two. But when it comes down to being abroad, it can, for me, get lonely, even though you have a plethora of people that you're connected to in one way, shape, or form. So I think that as you lose friendships along the way, you develop and gain other ones that can sometimes become a lot more meaningful as time progresses or whatever. But let me ask you a question about you becoming an entrepreneur and creating this business. Did you do this while you were still in the States or was this or did it happen when you were actually abroad and you were like, you know what, I'm going to do this? Like, how did that come about? Excellent question. Excellent question. I, 
So it's really funny. Um, everything ended up well, um, but I still think that there's so much in retrospect that I, um, so here's what I think I did well. I am someone, I'm a Capricorn, and I don't just be kind of like I said, it took me, you know, I'll do a year of research. I don't just be going out on limbs. I don't, I don't play that. Uh, I am clearly adventurous, right? Like, oh, you know, I lived in South Africa for a good while, had weapons on me every day, and we'll talk about that. But when it came to my, my entrepreneurship, I knew that I was going to do it, and it was something that I worked towards. So I actually started out for years independent contracting under people as a way to learn the ropes and see how people ran their businesses, the pluses, the minuses, all of that. And then um, I also, so part of why I, I left South Africa, I got a full break to South Africa, and then I, I actually was so happy in South Africa that I didn't want to go to Harvard. I had a full scholarship to Harvard. I drafted an email to Harvard to be like, I don't want to go back. But I didn't because I was like, that would be foolish. And I went, and my promise to myself. Let me stop that real quick. Did you just say you got a full scholarship to Harvard? Oh, yes. I haven't paid for any of my education from bachelor's, law degrees, master's. I'm working on my doctorate at John Hopkins. I, I received, I got paid to go to school. I got paid. That's, that's amazing, uh, CJ. Okay. Hey, first of all, can we stop those, stop the presses and give you some kudos right now, my brother? Like when you said a full scholarship to Harvard, my whole shit was like, Doo, what? <laughs> Did I hear that yeah. right? Like that's. Awesome. Congratulations on that. All of that. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. Now you, now you can uh, get back to your story. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but also think about how happy I must have been in South Africa that I had all that and I was still like, and I'm still torn, actually. I talked about it with um, my ex-girlfriend who we're still cool thinking about those relationships and things like that. Um, I talked about that recently with her about how, you know, on the one hand, it definitely helped and allowed me to create my business. But in terms of the two years that I was in Boston, um, it definitely did not increase my, my happiness. But here's what I will say. I was very focused. I was in graduate school. I was working. I worked multiple jobs. I actually had a job where, like I said, I was at, a, I was at MIT as well. I had, I had like three jobs. I was like, yeah, super. Um, so I was, a, I was a full-time consultant. I was independent contracting. And I was a, like a house dean. So I had free rent in Fenway. And so I was stacking. I was like, okay, if you're going to be here, you need to stack so that you know when you, um, when you leave that you're able to do this transition. So I had a goal of have between two to three years of income where if you, can't, if you do nothing, you're okay. And, and so I really, really hustled. And then I, turned, I, I began uh, the business while I was in Boston. You know, I started with a small amount of clientele, but it was very like, okay, other people for years have been, you know, hiring me out to do this work and their clients absolutely love it, love me and my work. And I was like, I know I can do this. And so it really was, I wouldn't say that simple because it was not, but it was really kind of going out on that, that confidence on that track record. And I don't want to make it out to be like golden uh, because, uh, you know, 2014, for example, was the year of there was a blizzard that was like one of the worst blizzards in Boston history. And I'm from Arkansas. I was, whew, it was, it was really bad depression, seasonal, seasonal effectiveness disorder. I mean, you name it, but I pushed through and then I left. And so th then it was really kind of, I had the cushion to learn. I knew the content of my work, 
but I, but then there's the business part of it, right? There's being a good counselor and there's being, there's being a, a business person, which I still have a lot to learn about, but I, I knew, especially abroad, which, you know, I wanted to be abroad anyhow. You know, I say it all the time, even if uh, places, it's uh, icing on the cake that places are cheap where, where I live. You know, it definitely is a game changer. But, you know, I previously lived in the UK. My favorite place um, to go on vacation was Barcelona. You know, I'm eventually looking to, to try and get EU citizenship. So regardless, I wanted to be abroad. But absolutely, the fact that it was cheaper in Colombia is everything. Yeah, that is very true. And so, yeah, that's how it happened. Oh, no, I think that's great. Also, you mentioned SAD, you know, uh, which layman's terms is the winter blues, right? Kind of, that's that's real. I got clinically diagnosed with that back in Boston. And I had to leave Boston and went to D.C. or Virginia area, which is not as far-fetched, but it was so much better. And people don't understand that climate really does, it can mess up your mental health, (laughs) you know what I mean? So that's important to know that as well and understand if you're in a climate that's always uh, overcast skies and gray and you're always feeling down and depressed or whatever, really talk to your doctor because it could be a situation where you do have also called the winter blues. So I just wanted to kind of plug that in there real quick. So now that you've, how long have you been in Chiang Mai now? Oh, let's see. I got here in August. So do you have a favorite country, a favorite place or even a... 40 countries. Is there a country that kind of sticks out of your mind? Absolutely. So the answers that I give is is there's two parts. There's favorite place to live and then favorite place for vacation. Favorite place to live thus far has been South Africa. But uh, Chiang Mai is a, you know, I'm South Africa will be a base, but I'm also, I think thus far, I'm willing to make Chiang Mai a base as well. And then my favorite place I've been on vacation probably have to pick two and it would either be Barcelona but Barcelona has changed a lot since I lived in Europe but when I lived in Europe I loved it and then I like the Greek island uh, Santorini and all those other they're, they're they're great and yeah those would be, those would be my, probably my favorite so far awesome choice so as a black man traveling what has that been like for you <laughs> you know what when I think about why travel I was thinking about that and, and um, in knowing that we would talk today, I know what my answer is. And I think everybody needs to, I, I, this is what I talk about with my students all the time, uh, my little mentees from MIT, knowing your why is everything. And my why, I think, is not like everybody else's because, and I, I'll just give it through through a quick quick example, right? When I lived in South Africa, I was teaching at a university as a Fulbright scholar, but I, um, I also had opportunities to really connect with the people. I went on a speaking tour for the embassy, but I also did a lot of volunteer work with Peace Corps volunteers who were there. And I would drive out to the village, and I love, I love little kids. I don't want any kids, but I love little kids. They, they crack me up. And there were these adorable village kids. I mean, I mean, these are folks who, you know, like. They're, they be playing with the cows and stuff like that's their their life outhouses stuff like that and yet they were so and their English you know was not necessarily the best but they really wanted to learn and so we did this project called um, Mother Bear where we had uh, there are people around the world who will create kind of these they knit bears like because these are kids who've never really had a toy or anything like that in their life and they got shipped out to the village and we had so many that 
we had extras and the, the, the kids came to me and they were like, I want you to have your art a bear to remember us by. And so everywhere that I've gone, when people enter my house, they see this knit bear on my couch. And he, I call him CEO. He has a little tie and everything like that. And people are like, they ask the story. And I tell the story. And I think about, um, there's also had a lot of pictures from my travels around my house, as well as an homage to my little niece, who I go to see all the time. And I miss. And there's this one picture of, it's just brick with two words written on it, C and J. And the reason is because for weeks and weeks after I left, and I would come back, but after I left the country, they would write CJ on the back of their little brick schoolhouse. And for me, it wasn't some egotistical thing, but what it really meant was one of the most core lessons of my whole life, which is, you know, going to Harvard and Oxford and stuff like that, if you aren't, you know, big, balling, shot calling, all this type of stuff, you really don't really register. And I think America can have a way of making people feel that way as well. But one of the things that I realized is how true it is that you don't have to mean, you know, something super huge to the world to mean the world to someone and make a huge difference in their life. And so for me, uh, I think like my goal going forward is working on school fees in Africa. That's my, you know, my goal is to be at 100% like passive income. And really, I think that we in the West make, make way too much money in comparison to the, to the rest of the world. And I would give, you know, even if you're talking, so one of the things is in the, with school fees, um, you know, those might be for $20 a year. You take $50,000 a year right, which there are expats out here making where they have that much disposable income. You've sent thousands of kids to school. And so that's, the, you know, my answers are in the everyday interactions with how people impact me, with just being a Black man who's able to talk with them and, and sometimes in their language and isn't being what they see on TV, as well as being able to see them through all of, um, through all of their cultural experience and, and, and all that. That's why I travel. I, love I really answer. do oh, enjoy God. that answer. Yeah. No, I was going to say because, you know, through my travels in Cambodia, for instance, I thought about the same thing. I said, in America, people are complaining about their salaries, right? In the sense of I'm almost making six figures or I'm, I, I'm making six figures, but I still want more. And here, here I was in this country where a dollar, one U.S. dollar, you get what I'm saying, is like a big thing to them. You know, it's it's very polished. A lot of places that we traveled, just really looking around and looking at the locals and everything, you take, you know, for granted those first world amenities and the first world things that we have and we talk so much, you know, I, I, it's always a complaint that I hear from people all the time. Most times when I ask people in the States, oh, what's going on? What's new? Oh, nothing, same old shit another day. And it's like, are you serious? You know what I mean? Like when 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 is people going to really look at travel more purposefully instead of just on vacation and, and putting you know all that money into these resorts and there's so much more that we can do across the world to to support you know let me just ask you this one last question um what is a, one piece of advice that you would give someone especially a black man who wants to travel more. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world.
that's actually the hard one, um, which is really funny. So I'm in the advice giving business. Um, <laughs> I should have thought you were asking that. Um, let's see. Uh, I think this is going to sound really basic, but mm, I have a friend who's visiting right now. And we were at lunch, like right now, which is around Christmas time. And I was talking about how I wish there were more Black men. How I wish in my travel, how, I mean, don't get me wrong. See, I like the sisters. So don't get me wrong. I like being one of the only ones. <laughs> um, but um, but it, it can be lonely. Um, just like in my academic life, the more I went up in, I'm quote, putting quotation marks here, but the more I went up in success culture, the more lonely it was. I can say that similarly, the travel life can, can be lonely in terms of male community and companionship and stuff like that. And so my, my advice would be just do it. You know, I think that every, there's every reason in the world to do it. But more importantly, and this is a crucial thing that recently came to me in talking to somebody, that life that you have, you know, if you are, if you're scared about the what if of what could happen, blah, 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 um, and, and somehow things change in a way that are so horrible that they, they can't be undone. First of all, I've never seen that before. But if you if you always want to go back, you can go back. <laughs> That's always a, you know, it isn't like um, you can't press restart. But I would say nine times, if not 9.9 .9 times out of 10, you will get bit by the travel bug and the difference of the experience and want more. And so just do it. I love that advice. It really just comes down to that. You just, yeah. It's just one of those things you just do and then you kind of process it afterwards. So we could tell you everything under the sun, but until you actually, you know, purchase that ticket or make that decision, you won't, it'll be hard for you to really comprehend. Right, right. And, and yeah, and travel, no, I was going to say in travel, you know, I think one of the most key important things is travel isn't as expensive as what people think it is. I mean, travel within the state is more expensive than traveling outside of the country sometimes. Um and when you really take the time out to, you know, just do some cross-checking, right? Like from the East Coast to the West Coast might cost you $400 round trip. You could actually go across the pond and be in another country for maybe two or even start with Caribbean islands or something like that. But just doing it, like you said, is, is the start. I got to send my, uh, or, well, I got to Bangkok. I got Chicago to Bangkok for $400. Uh, in August. So, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I, it's a, that's a whole other conversation about, because I don't like that there's no excuse, but what I do know is I'm a data person, and, and it is a fact that per capita, the United States has uh, one of the highest ratios of people without passports in relation, to the, in, the, in relation to the population. And this is regardless of race, and also like a, a very low percentage of people who just leave every year. And so, for example, Australia, um, one third of their population is abroad every single year, right? It is actually, it is practically impossible to find an Australian who's really never left Australia. And they're a island continent, right? So um, I think we just, uh, we, we can do better. And the other, other thing that I would say, just two quick bits are, um, even if it's, I, I am extremely proud of the fact that uh, a huge reason why I decided to really go abroad and make this my life is because I wanted to learn languages. It was very important to me. So it didn't come easy. When I started, um, it came easy. Actually, let me pause. When I started college, I actually had, I almost failed my Spanish class um, and had to withdraw 
now, years later, actually living in a Spanish-speaking country, having Spanish-speaking friends, all that sort of stuff, it came so much more easily in the real world. And I think there's something, if you read Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime, he talks about the beauty of knowing, he speaks like six languages, and he talks about how, how first of all, just hilarious and funny and sometimes even life-saving experiences of knowing language. But I would, you know, I would, I would encourage you, just get yourself some Duolingo and some YouTube and stuff like that, just to have a basis when you, when you go. Um, and the other thing that I would say is really going beyond the resort and the cruise ship type stuff and having a real cultural experience. Um, because I think it's important that you know who they are and they know who we are on some real, you know, more real stuff. Awesome. No, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, CJ, thank you so much for spending time with us today, how you created this life for yourself. And I think that's what people really need to take away from this is, you know, uh, planning planning works. You know, it's not like you just up and did and jumped to, to it. You actually took time out. Like you said, it might take you a year to plan something or you really thought about if I'm going to stack, you know, this is what I'm stacking for. So really putting some thought behind the process. Yeah. Thank you, CJ, for being on the show. And um, how could people find your business? Yes, absolutely. If you, uh, especially my brown folks, because I wish I had more brown folks with my business. So you can email me. uh, It's CJ at advisory group. That's E-D-V-I-S. O-R-Y group.com. And my business is www.advisorygroup.com. Once again, it's E-D, uh, not A-D. E-D, like education, advisory group. Um, yeah. And definitely, you know, I'm on Instagram. I don't post a lot, but you can also find me there. I'm just uh, uh, CJ, CJ Fornoy. Uh, that's another place you can find me. Awesome. Thank you, CJ. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for doing the podcast. It's a real service. We appreciate that. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.